Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we're going to coast down the decline while we gain momentum for the upcoming hills, pushing it one more mile at a time. Sometimes quitting is not an option. But how do we find prevailing perseverance when your tank is empty? One moment at a time, that's how. Even when you think you've come to the end of your road and have hit a dead end, you have more to give than you think is humanly possible. But always pushing past your limits is not the goal. In everything, personal and professional, we're striving for a healthy balance. The word balance may just be a word you've heard, but you're not really sure how it fits into your life. Like the word self-care or relaxation. You might think these words are only entertained when everything else is done. That, my friend, would be the opposite of balance, imbalance. So let's dig into these ideas of perseverance, balance, and filling your tank. I love to be busy. I have an expanded capacity to take on more, juggle multiple things, and get things done. I hear it over and over from people who observe my life. Wow, how could you possibly take on one more thing? Where do you find the time? Do you ever sit down? I also don't recognize when I'm overwhelmed until I'm in crisis mode. Everyone deals with those feelings in different ways. You might scream, having feelings of anxiety, be nervous and worry. I shut down and do nothing. (laughs) The good thing is, I don't stew over it or worry. The con is, I'm not getting it done because I switch to cruise control and sit back and relax. So knowing this about myself, I try and stay in that balanced state where I'm busy but not overwhelmed. Remember when Scarlett O'Hara said, won't think about that today. I'll think about that tomorrow. Yep, that's overwhelmed for me. What about you? Sylvia shares three reasons why perseverance is so important and six ways to improve it, found at trackinghappiness.com. It doesn't matter how slowly you go so long as you don't stop. These wise words were uttered by Confucius over 2,000 years ago, and yet we're still learning to live by them. What he was getting at is perseverance, the ability to persist with a goal despite experiencing difficulties. Why is this quality so important for us? The answer to this is more complex than you may expect. Perseverance plays a crucial role in our lives for many reasons, but thankfully, you can still improve your perseverance at any point in your life. If you have any goals you haven't yet reached or thought about giving up on them because of setbacks, you won't want to miss out on these tips. So what is perseverance exactly? Well, definitions may differ slightly, but researchers agree on the general idea. Put simply, perseverance means finishing what you start and pushing forward despite setbacks and complications. This includes continuing to put in effort and practice, learning from failure, enduring discomfort, 
seeing challenges in a positive light, prioritizing long-term goals over immediate gratification. Perseverance is closely related to many other concepts, including motivation, determination, resilience, drive, passion, conscientiousness. However, researchers agree that these terms are distinct and have their own definitions. In particular, perseverance is a key component of another quality you may have heard about, grit. This concept is defined as perseverance plus passion. It won't surprise you that perseverance has a ton of benefits. After all, it's hard to get anything good in life without working for it. So think about any goal you've already reached, and you can consider that to be a positive outcome of perseverance. It was surely part of the mix to some extent. But there are also many important health and happiness benefits that come directly from perseverance. Decreased stress. Decreased anxiety. Increased meaning in life. Increased emotional well-being. Clearly, perseverance has tons of amazing benefits. But we can't make the best of them without looking at the other side of the coin, too. This means asking ourselves, Does perseverance have any downsides? Unfortunately, yes. Too much of anything is good for nothing. While perseverance can help you achieve many goals in life, there are still some that will be unwinnable. As researchers note, continuing to persevere in those situations can have potentially damaging effects. Sometimes giving up is a good thing. It lets you pull out of a losing game and avoid wasting time and energy. Of course, it can be hard to figure out at what point persevering no longer helps you. There is no clear guide for this, as the matter is entirely subjective and situation-specific. To help you figure it out, researchers recommend doing regular self-reflection. Ask yourself questions like this. Why am I working towards this goal? Is it truly achievable? At what cost? Are the potential benefits worth this cost? So why exactly is perseverance so important? Well, if you're asking yourself that right now, here are the top three reasons backed by research. Number one, it helps you reach your goals. What would your life be like if you reached all of your goals? Take a moment to picture it. This, in a nutshell, is what perseverance can do for you. Now, perseverance doesn't guarantee you'll reach any goal, but it sure makes it much more likely to happen. Several studies showed that perseverance is an essential quality for success in life. In fact, it's shown to be even more important than raw talent and aptitude. It's a key component of learning and mastering any skill, from learning to speak to playing an instrument. Without it, we'd get stuck at the first sign of difficulty and be held back by our anxieties. In other words, we would make no progress whatsoever. Perseverance carries you through failures. Though nobody likes to admit it, we all have to face failure. It's never pleasant, but if you are perseverant, you can see it as a learning experience. 
And most importantly, you'll be much more likely to try again in the future. Perseverance helps you adapt. Life doesn't just give you lemons. Pretty much anything can be thrown your way. Perseverance helps you find ways to adapt to any situation and find innovative solutions to problems. It improves your mental health. I've already mentioned that perseverance gives a myriad of health benefits. But as mental health is crucial to our happiness, it bears repeating. One study showed that people who were more perseverant were much less likely to suffer from depression and anxiety. It improves your relationships. Relationships are perhaps the most important aspect of having a happy life. And if they're to last long, relationships take their fair share of work. Deep bonds don't build themselves. You have to put in the work. Perseverance helps you improve your relationships in many ways, like working out your problems, finding ways to communicate better, adapting to the other person, forgiving each other. All of that sounds pretty amazing, but can you really get it all with just perseverance? Well, it can certainly get you very far. In fact, author and psychologist Angela Duckworth explains that natural talent matters, but perseverance is much more crucial as a predictor to our achievements. In her words, our potential is one thing. What we do with it is quite another. So it's clear that perseverance is an important part of the success equation. But findings suggest it's most effective with another crucial ingredient, passion. Together, perseverance and passion make up what Angela Duckworth defines as grit. This means your continued efforts are fueled by a constant and strong interest in your goals. A 2018 study commented that there have been very contradictory results on the link between grit and success. The authors propose that it's because many studies only reflect the perseverance side of grit and neglect the passion aspect. Through their own research, they confirm that perseverance most accurately predicts success when the person also feels passion. The bottom line? Perseverance will definitely help you find success, but it's most effective when you apply it to a goal you feel passionate about. If at this point you're realizing that you're not a particularly perseverant person, here's some great news. Perseverance can be learned. Angela Duckworth, who researched and wrote extensively on grit and perseverance, says we can all work on our abilities to persevere and become grittier. She argues that this requires four key ingredients. Interest. Defining and following our passion. Practice. Working on our weaknesses, setting challenging goals, and applying feedback. Purpose desire to contribute to the world, and hope, believing that our efforts matter and can improve our future. In other research, here are some more key practices that can help you build perseverance. Set goals related to your own personal growth. In a world centered around social media, it's becoming easier and easier to compare ourselves with others. Who has the nicer home, the stronger relationship, the more expensive vacation? Of course, this isn't very healthy to begin with, but if you want to persevere, you have an extra strong reason to toss this thinking aside. 
A study found that students are much more likely to persevere when they're focused on personal growth rather than trying to do better than others. In particular, they're much better able to face obstacles. So remember, it doesn't matter if you're doing better or worse than anyone else. We're all at a different part of our journey, and you can't compare your beginning to someone else's middle or end. Break goals down to manageable components. Tip number two for improving perseverance is to break down your goals. Research has found this to be a very effective strategy for perseverance. Students who created markers of progress for a long-term assignment made them much more likely to complete it successfully. In particular, they understood the individual parts of the greater goal and worked through difficulties they had with a clear end in mind. This is well illustrated in Walter Elliott's famous quote, Perseverance is not a long race. It is many short races, one after the other. Figure out your why. As we've seen, perseverance is most powerful when combined with another key ingredient, passion. If you apply your efforts to something you actually feel interested in, you're much more likely to work harder. More than that, you'll actually enjoy doing it. Focus on efforts over results. If you've read Mindset by Carol Dweck, this tip will seem very familiar to you. In fact, perseverance is closely related to the growth mindset as described by Dweck. This mindset is basically the belief that you can learn to become better at anything with practice. Some people naturally hold this belief, leading them to work hard to improve any skill or personal quality. On the other hand, some people see their skills and qualities as fixed. This makes them much more likely to give up. After all, what's the point in trying to improve if we can't? DeWick explains how a growth mindset is a valid approach for any aspect of our lives. As many examples in her book show, growth mindset people can and do become better at anything because they persevere and learn from mistakes. But here's the really interesting part. Even though fixed mindset people aren't naturally inclined to persevere, they start to do so if they are appreciated for their efforts rather than their results. For example, instead of telling a student, you did so well on that test, a teacher would say, you worked so hard to prepare for the test. This kind of praise puts people's focus on the actions rather than the outcome. Ask for positive and immediate feedback. Ideally, we should be able to persevere on our own, but of course, a few kind words from someone else can be a great motivation booster. And research has shown the best way to do this, to help people persevere, feedback should be two things. Are you ready? Positive and immediate. You can use this knowledge to help encourage your loved ones in their own goals. But what about you? If people don't naturally do this for you, you could explain it to a close friend and ask them to be your private cheerleader. Reflect on and revise your work often. One final practice for improving your perseverance is to reflect on and revise your work. This has been found to help people persevere and attain the outcomes they want. In doing this, you can evaluate if you're going in the direction you wanted, correct course if you strayed from your goal, reconsider if your goal is still worth the effort, 
and reflect on what you've been doing and what's been working best for you. It's clear by now that perseverance holds incredibly high importance for all of us. The only question left now is, how do you plan to use it? You can apply it to any goal to improve your life. Will it be getting in shape and healthy or perhaps improving your relationships? Or maybe even finding a job you truly love? Whatever it is, perseverance will help you get there. The only guarantee for failure is to stop trying. Perseverance shouldn't be confused with perfection. Making a commitment to continually learning, trying again, staying with it, or pushing through the obstacles doesn't mean you're striving for perfection. The black and white thinking of perfect or why bother will only deliver frustration and dissatisfaction. You've heard it's process, not perfection. But staying focused on moving through the process takes perseverance. There are things that I've tried and probably gave up on too soon. You could look at any one situation and think, well, you didn't try hard enough, therefore you failed. But I challenge you to back up and look at the bigger picture. Were you trying to become a violinist? Or was your goal to get out of your comfort zone and try something new? Have you tried more new things since? Well then, I would say you are persevering when your goal was to try new things. How do you find the motivation needed to keep going when you don't have any gas left? Nemo helps us with seven things to do when your tank is empty, found at medium.com. You're running on empty. You're fatigued. You're lethargic. You have things you'd like to do or should do, but you can't get fired up about them or anything. You've had low patches before, and you've always been able to find your way back, but now it feels like you have no resilience left. It's like the plug's still in the wall, but someone flipped the power switch off. What do you do? Resilience burnout, a hybrid term for a real phenomenon. Resilience is the capacity to recover from difficulty. Burnout is physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion caused by chronic or persistent stress. When you put them together to get a reduced capacity to cope with life's difficulties, you have burnout. The traditional signs of burnout are extreme fatigue, cynicism or a feeling of detachment, and underperforming. But a more obvious sign is that stressful events you would normally cope well with feel heavier and harder to deal with and take longer to come back from. Emotional reactions are often more exaggerated. If you're experiencing these feelings, be compassionate with yourself. There's a lot going on in the world right now, as well as the dust and dirt that comes with everyday life. So don't try to force yourself to be amazing and get self-critical when you fall short. Try these things instead. Know when to quit the day. I love this line from the young woman who was feeling she'd lost a chunk of her 20s. If you get to 3 p.m. and absolutely nothing's going right, take your foot off and quit for the day. Curl up and have a cry if you need to. Know you're not going to make a mark on anything today. Dump it in the way-too-hard basket 
and know that all feelings are temporary. Just because one day goes wrong doesn't mean the next one will. Often, it's quite the opposite. You can try again tomorrow. Live in the daytight compartments. One of the early founders of self-improvement, Dale Carnegie, had a strategy for reducing worry. Live inside daytight compartments. It's a tidy way of saying take things one day at a time. To stay in the present, which is especially helpful during times of turmoil. Just live each day until bedtime. Throw your heart over the bar. One of the traps of feeling low is to do everything half-heartedly, which means you don't enjoy anything much. You persistently feel like you're going through the motions. So do fewer things, or better still, do one thing at a time. But whatever you do, bring all your focus to it. Do it with your whole heart. Your distracted mind will follow, at least for a little while. Phone a friend. Because it's helpful for you to stay connected, but also just because someone somewhere may need a friendly ear. They may welcome a chat with you. They may benefit from it. And that confirms you as a good person. (laughs) Bonus benefit? It takes you out of your own life and head into someone else's. Keep the routines, but kill the to-do list. Basic routines are helpful for framing your day, but 25 things on your to-do list? Seriously? Don't do that. You'll just end up transferring most of it to the next day, and that'll just make you feel worse. Be objective and real about your to-do list, or throw the list out altogether and do what you can. Tiny Novelty Projects Routines help ground and steady us, but the downside is the sheer repetition of them. Humans are wired for novelty and stimulation, so we have to keep finding ways to spark our interest. Pick tiny novelty projects that you can complete on the same day or at least quickly. Cook a new dish, walk a new route, paint a picture, write a poem, put up a shelf, plant some seedlings. The rule is active, not passive. So finding a new TV show to stream doesn't count. Aim for something that engages body as well as mind. Remember to laugh. There's some really sad stuff going on in the world right now, and some shocking stuff, and some stuff that will make you angry, all of which make it easy to lose your sense of humor and feel guilty when you hang on to it. Even during suffering, there are moments of weirdness, of fun, of joy. It's a sign of emotional health that you can keep leaning into. Don't take life too seriously. I'm adding my own to that list. I think back over my life, the intense moments focused on trying to get somewhere and have something, the setbacks, the re-engineering, the retry, the reinventing of myself or the situations. When I stand back and look at it all, I see a ton of growth. I'm able to laugh at the failures in an empathetic and kind way. Oh, Kendall, you brave soul. You gave something a genuine go of it, and others, you acted too quickly, hoping that pieces would fall into place as you learned what you were doing. They didn't. But that's okay. You picked yourself up, and you kept moving forward. Committed to trying something else, but never willing to say, that's it. This is the best I have to offer. 
Now I live in a much more balanced world. It took time and a lot of pressure tests to see what I can and want to endure. Over at medium.com, I found some great insight on giving and receiving, finding the right balance. Have you ever felt like you give so much in your life, but not receive? Whether it be your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else, remembering a name, giving a sincere compliment, smiling at a stranger, coming in first, leaving last, making that phone call, sending that text, initiating plans with others, listening more than speaking, carrying the extra load on your back, giving 51% in the relationship, sending cards, giving praise, consoling someone during a struggle, spreading positive energy to others, taking the initiative. You may find yourself naturally giving to others, but eventually leave yourself depleted. This depletion can take its toll on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. One can find themselves feeling alone, depressed, unsupported, and not themselves anymore. They're exhausted and drained. What is there left to give? What was once a full bucket filled with fresh, cool water is now empty and dry. Dry because you've poured out all your water into the buckets of others while forgetting to fill yours up in the process. There's an imbalance between what you're giving and what you're receiving. Those who often find themselves helping others need replenishment. It's up to ourselves as well as others to provide this replenishment. Giving is to present voluntarily and without expecting compensation. Receiving is to take into one's possessions something offered or delivered. Taking is to get into one's hold or possession by voluntary action. In life, there are two kinds of people. We are both by nature. It's normal to bounce between giving and taking at different points throughout your life. It simply takes awareness and mindfulness to know if you're giving or taking at this particular point in time. So here's some behaviors of givers. See if these resonate with you. They always initiate contact. They make the plans. They reach out to others, but others don't reach out to them. They give selflessly and expect nothing in return. They put in the extra effort that's required, but not necessarily needed. They support others. Now here's the behaviors of takers. They talk more than they listen. They take others for granted. When the giver is present, they don't contribute towards a relationship. But when the giver begins to disconnect, the taker tries to pick up the slack in the relationship. They only contact someone when they want something. They don't respond back. They find themselves upset at the word no. If the giver stops doing what the taker is accustomed to, the taker can find themselves irritated. Even offended with this change, stemming from a place of expectation and entitlement. They don't say thank you. Often, our world is filled with the consumerist mindset of consume, take, 
acquire. Somewhere along the way, this mindset has shifted subconsciously and even consciously into our relationships with other human beings. Yes, we are consumers, but also producers. If everyone approached their relationships and interactions with the mindset of, what or how can I give to others? And what do the world and the people around me need? Instead of, what can I get for myself? Then the fabric of society would be woven with love, support, understanding, and compassion. Although that mindset is idealistic in nature, it's one worth striving for. To give can be both a blessing and a curse. A blessing to give time, energy, attention, and resources to others, helping others. A curse in that others may not consider to do the same. This is a one-sided street, a one-way relationship. Takers can extract much from givers. So it's in our responsibility to make sure we're not only taking, but also giving. As long as we ourselves are making sure to fill up other people's buckets as well as our own, we're in balance. Why is giving more difficult? Well, it requires time, the one resource we can never get back. It requires energy and attention to be focused on others before yourself, and that can be tiring. It requires resources While you do help others, you can potentially leave yourself in a position not to have enough for your own needs. It requires courage. It takes courage to put yourself out there to make a difference. This can often make you feel vulnerable. It's more demanding on the self. Others can pull you from multiple directions and you can only stretch so far. But why is giving more rewarding? You can make a difference in the lives of others. Be in a position of having gifts, talents, and resources to offer means you're blessed. It's the right thing to do. Giving spreads good feelings and positivity. When others see you can give, they're more likely to give themselves. So how can you fix this imbalance? What can you do? Take care of your own needs first. Make yourself a priority. You can't give what you don't have. If you're in a state of depletion, you won't be useful to yourself or others. Have support. Family, music, friends, a counselor, a religious figure, a mentor. Find someone who you trust and can talk to about what you're feeling and going through. Develop your spiritual core. Build inner strength to yield outer strength. A strong spiritual core will protect you when life demands much from you. Look inward to find what drives you, rejuvenates you, makes you feel complete, and gives your life meaning. Accept and embrace who you are. Find ways to control your responses to emotions. Be open to receiving life's gifts. It's okay to receive. You never know what you'll need in the future. Ask for help when you need it. Forget your ego telling you you'll appear weak. No one makes it through life alone. No one. Everyone needs help at some point. Set 
personal boundaries. Exercise your willpower and even the word no. You don't have to explain yourself to anyone. Here's some questions to ask yourself. Where am I giving in life? Can I give more or less? What am I receiving in life? Is it really satisfying me? Am I fulfilling my needs or relying on others to fulfill my own needs? So here are some action steps for giving to others. Bring a gift. Now, this can be something small. It depends on what you have. It doesn't have to be something material. It could be kindness, patience, gratitude, love, support. Whatever you have that helps others counts. Leave someone better than you found them. Is this person better off with my presence? Think about the other person's wants and needs. What would they want? What would they need and how can I provide it? Give with sincerity, not with expectation. Don't expect to get anything back in return. Give just for the sake of giving. Say thank you. It's amazing the power of thank you. It symbolizes recognition and gratitude. A simple set of words that goes far if used in the right way. What great information. It's important to bring this balance into check. I love the idea of giving back, and it's meant so much to me over the last six years. But I also have a hard time saying no, and my scales are operating on low precision, letting me frequently take on more than I can successfully handle. So an awareness here is important. I'm not talking about the awareness of, yeah, I see it, and I don't have any plans of changing it, but in an awareness followed by a quick commitment to balance the load. My guess is that if you're a giver, you're not always good at being a receiver. It might feel uncomfortable for you, but think about this. If you don't receive well, then you're preventing the giver of getting the same joyful feeling that you love so much about giving. Hmm. I'm going to let you marinate on that for a while. On the Mr. Sky YouTube channel, I found a motivational video on perseverance. I love encouraging words, so I thought I would share. Persevere. Nothing worthwhile is easy. No one of achievement has avoided failure, sometimes catastrophic failures, but they keep at it. They learn from mistakes, they don't quit. The key is what we do in our times of pain. Pain will change us. Heartache, loss, disappointments, they don't leave us the same. You can come out bitter, or you can come out better. You can come out defeated, giving up on your dreams, or you can come out with a new passion, a new fire, excited about the new opportunities in front of you. Don't just go through it, grow through it. That difficulty is an opportunity to get stronger, to develop character, to gain new competence. That pain is not there to stop you, it's there to prepare you, to increase you, to develop you. You're gonna hit a wall, and that wall shocks some people. That wall stuns some people. That wall discourages some people. It's painful hitting that wall. Some people hit that wall, refuse to be denied. 
This person comes back anyhow, again and again and again. And if you keep on hitting that wall, here's what happens to you, that you will have an incredible breakthrough. And it's as if the universe says, let's help him out. Come on. I admire that kind of tenacity. Let's give her a hand. This person doesn't care about the pain because this person knows something. There's no pain without pain. Everybody talks positive about themselves. Everybody talks like you're a beast. You dress like you're a beast. But then when it's time to do what bees do, you back up. You have an excuse. Innovation is rewarded. They give you a plaque for it. They give you a reward for it. But execution is worship. Listen to me, there's no excuse. And what will separate those of you from the rest is not what they give you. What's going to separate you is what you do. Listen to me very closely. I want you to know there's only one equation that's missing. There's only one thing you cannot purchase. There's only one thing you cannot buy. And that's what real beef do. I ain't smart, but the difference between me and most people is you might be sweeter than me. You might be bigger than me. You might grind. Listen to me. I don't know. You might have money. I don't know where you come from, but you will not outwork me. Every single time. This is an opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm going to take advantage of it. to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, one more mile, one more try, one more time. You have more effort available than you've recognized. Prevailing perseverance will propel you to navigate any challenge, delivering valuable learning along the way. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone threw until the path was clear. That's when I found you.